Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. He weighs both sides of the story and chooses what's right over what's wrong. More Roy Green on the Chorus Radio Network. It was quite a contentious federal national election in the Netherlands that came to a conclusion a few days ago. Gert Wilders, the um, ultra-right or far-right party leader, who had a very distinct anti-Muslim message as part of, part of his platform, did not win the election. He was leading in the polling a few weeks ago, but his party finished pretty much close tie for second with two other parties. But it was the uh, the, the party of the uh, Prime Minister Rutte that won, and it's what Rutte said that caught my attention a couple of weeks ago as Wilders was leading in the national polling. Rutte said, Rutte said, if you can't, and I'm paraphrasing, if you can't um, adjust to and live with the customs and the way of life in the Netherlands, then leave. And then he started talking about uh, if you shouldn't be uh, harassing young women in uh, wearing short skirts, you shouldn't be spitting on the sidewalk, you shouldn't harass gays. And it was generally assumed that what he was doing was he was speaking to the Muslim community within Holland. And then he was trying to steal some of the thunder of uh, Herr Wilders. So Rutte won. But I didn't see anybody from the establishment in governments or in media, I didn't see anybody challenging the Prime Minister of the Netherlands for saying, if you can't adjust to life here, then leave, get out. you think there would have been some challenge to that, because there certainly was a lot of challenge of Kelly Leach, Dr. Kelly Leach, when she said that if she became the Prime Minister of Canada, and she still insists this, if she becomes the Conservative Party leader and the Prime Minister of the country, that newcomers to Canada, be they immigrants, refugees, or visitors, will have to satisfy Canadian officials that they understand and uh, appreciate Canadian values. So she was accused of being uh, a bigot and a, and a fascist, and some other titles or some other uh, adjectives uh, that were directed my way by email describing uh, Kelly Leach. So we're going to talk to her tomorrow about the Canadian values issue, and then we'll bring up the, uh, the uh, Dutch Prime Minister and what he said, and why there's no complaining about what he said, but a lot of complaining about what Kelly Leach has planned if she becomes the Prime Minister of the country. Now back to the issue of... Uh, the half a billion data hacks from Yahoo, 22-year-old Karim Baratov, uh, hacking for, I guess, uh, hacking for hire. That's the way the FBI is describing it. They don't want him uh, uh, to get bail. They want him extradited to the United States, where he could then stand trial with two Russian security agents. David Fraser is a partner at McKinnis Cooper, in Halifax, 
He is one of the uh, world's foremost Internet privacy lawyers, and he's the founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog, and he joins us on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. David, the, the stories that we covered today in 2017, when I compare them to things we talked about five or six years ago on the program, it's just changed dramatically. There's, a, there's an air of, uh, of almost casual sophistication about what's going on. Oh, I think so. And, and certainly one can readily notice a theme in a number of, uh, of hacking-related uh, things that have found their way into the headlines over the last, let's say, six to ten months. You've heard all the stuff out of the United States about alleged Russian hacking of the election, the leaks to WikiLeaks of Democratic emails, all of which seems to fit within a, a, a bit of a theme and a consistent theme at that, which is that um, kind of what has often been the same resources that are devoted to kind of cybersecurity to keeping our information safe has now become weaponized and is being turned against and so kind of offensive cyber warfare and it's all it's not your conventional sort of warfare it's all covert or attempts to keep it covert in fact that's how it remains or retains its effectiveness and i guess in a way that a whole lot of uh, military action conventional military action has been outsourced to mercenaries and contractors it should be even less surprising that in the cyber arena that this is happening uh, on a very significant scale. Certainly, there's, we've heard stories about Anonymous for quite some time and, and uh, uh, groups of individuals who have you know, computer skills uh, bringing themselves together and kind of somewhat spontaneously in the Anonymous movement. Uh, but there are loads of people out there with, uh, with a particular set of skills, to paraphrase a, a particular movie, um, who are... Some of them are doing it for the lulls, as it's called, but others might be available to do it for to do it for pay. And when there are significant returns to be gained from it, political uh, or otherwise, blackmail, as uh, as has been alleged in a number of cases, um, that there's a lot of money available to hire these individuals who have these skills in order to act on behalf of uh, probably in some cases organizations that they have no idea who they are, but there's, they've simply been asked to do something don't have particular scruples and are much and are very willing to accept the bitcoin or or the other form of uh, of payment that might come along with it are we seeing the tip of the iceberg do you think or are we seeing sort of the belly of the beast it's it's hard to say certainly it it seems to be part of a trend but whether it's a trend that's going to diminish over time i'm i'm not sure i think that we're we are going to see some very significant um I think incentives that will be built in or imposed on technology companies to ensure the security of their user information. But at the same time, there is a, a significant amount of um, steps that individual users can take to protect their, their information. Certainly your information is, well, it's a bit of a cliche, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And in a lot of cases, the user is a is the weakest link. But in other cases, if the organization has not paid sufficient attention to security or has started to decline in its attention to security, which I've certainly seen suggestions that kind of as Yahoo has gone through a general decline in malaise, that perhaps they, they weren't on top of the ball as other organizations uh, that are kind of still on the upswing have. Um, and certainly 
people go, <laughs> what's another cliche, I hate to be resorting to so many cliches, but kind of when you ask a bank robber why they robbed the banks, they say, well, that's where the money that's is. That's where the money is. Um, increasingly, more and more of our information is in the hands of third parties, of companies. We use cloud email services all the time. That's that standard. I, I don't know anybody other than corporations that kind of host their own personal email or that or that do those sorts of things. And, and there's a, just a massive amount of information that is essentially centralized in these enormous repositories, which are Yahoo and, and Microsoft for Hotmail and Google for Gmail and, and other, other providers. So, of course, if you're if you're able to compromise any one of those systems, you're, you potentially have access to a huge amount of, of, of resources. So the, me- the metaphor might be the Internet is a huge building, and in that huge building there are significant numbers of doors and windows that are open. Well, that's right. That's right. And, and there's also you can also almost think of it in terms of a, a safety deposit box vault where – uh, there are a whole lot of safety deposit boxes that are very easily picked mm-hmm. that people who choose bad passwords or people who use the same password across multiple services. So if you're, if one account is compromised, you're using the same username and password on other services, all of a sudden the, the whole other system is compromised. But, of course, if, if somebody leaves the vault door open, somebody with a drill can go in there and, and get access. Um, and somebody who actually has the the keys to the bank um, is able to covertly get in, in there. So there are multiple layers of, of security. Um, and many of the attacks that we've seen, so the one against the, the Democratic National Committee in the United States, seem to have been a pretty conventional sort of phishing attack where somebody's password was intercepted. And that's a, that happens to a lot of people, and that's that's the sort of attack that's actually levied against ordinary people, the sort of uh, kind of scam emails that you get. And those can be essentially extinguished by using something called two-factor authentication, where if somebody has your username and password, in fact, there's another element that's required in order to get into that account. So even if somebody gets that information, they're not actually going to get in. But it's certainly that's available on a lot of systems, Microsoft and, and Twitter and Facebook and, and others. Gmail certainly make that available, but it's incumbent upon the user to choose to do that. But when your personal information crown jewels are in that safety deposit box, you do have access to a more robust lock, and I think users really should take advantage of that. Yeah. Can you stay with us a few minutes longer? Absolutely. Okay, now take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk some more with uh, David Fraser from McKinnis Cooper in Halifax, one of the world's foremost Internet privacy and uh, security lawyers. And David is the founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog. Stay with us. You listen to Green, green. you might turn red. red. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You can follow me on Twitter at the Roy Green Show. At the Roy Green Show, emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. And uh, to listen back to anything that we air, just go to your Chorus Radio Station website to the uh, Audio Vault and listen back to your heart's content. David Fraser with me from uh, McInnes Cooper in uh, Halifax, Internet and Security Privacy Lawyer, founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog, and we're talking about this breach of Yahoo, half a billion Yahoo accounts. David, who had any idea that Yahoo still had half a billion accounts? (laughs) 
Well, I think, I, although that's a funny question, perhaps a little bit facetious, it's, it's certainly it's a valid question. Yahoo was one of the first of the Internet giants, uh, but it was uh, eclipsed by a number of other services. And so there are probably a whole bunch of people who have Yahoo accounts, uh, and I think your, your previous guest kind of referred to this, that there are probably a whole lot of people who have Yahoo accounts and don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And certainly... Um, some services will shut down accounts after a period of inactivity. I don't think Yahoo is one of them. And so uh, there may be a whole bunch of really dormant, old, stale information that, that might have been accessed. But at the same time, that, that information, uh, I know I was a Yahoo was one of my first email accounts outside of a, outside of a university system, and it's, my account is it's still active. And I have updated the password since I've heard about these uh, these breaches. But if you go back and you look through those email messages, there's still sensitive personal information in there. And so I think people should, from time to time, do a bit of an inventory and think of all the accounts that they might have set up. And particularly, I think the ones that are most uh, ones that are most sensitive would be an, an email account or anything else like that. Particularly if there's sensitive information in there, if there's information related to banking or financial things or of of any kind. Things about relationships, uh, things also information that could lead to other accounts, which actually leads me to an, another point, which is, a, I think, a very important one for, for kind of personal information security, is that often we have, we've set up other email accounts as the places for what's called account recovery. So if I forget my email address for a particular account, often you can kind of go through the process and have your email or you have your, your password reset and they'll send a reset link to the email account that's associated with that. And so, for example, it might be a Yahoo account, which means that anybody who has access to your Yahoo account or for whatever system that, that, that would be has the ability to actually reset your passwords on other services, which might in fact include financial services and, and banking and things like that. And the contents of that email inbox might have the answer to those secret questions for those services that uh, that use them. So we really should be mindful of kind of where <laughs> where our information is at any any particular time and where our vulnerabilities are. And I think one challenge that that simply exists across the board in this uh, in this arena is that you're dealing with a relatively technical, complicated uh, system that you know a whole lot of people don't have the time or the inclination or the technical ability to to keep on top of, but it really does behoove us, I think, to take the time to think about these sorts of things and to act upon them. And, and there, some systems have a mechanism where you can kind of export all your data and then shut down your account. And uh, and if you're not using that account anymore, that's probably in your best interest to, to do that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting to point out as well that as the years go on, sometimes just months, the technology just becomes better and better and better and is capable of doing things that technology was not able to pr- provide maybe a year previous or two years previous. And that makes material and information that you consider to be particularly safe, not so safe any longer, and really uh, extraordinarily so if you don't use the account uh, any longer. Because I think we have the mindset, we don't use it anymore, so why would anybody else have any interest in it? Not the way that's not the, 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 the that's not the reality of the situation. No, and absolutely. And I think another thing that, that's a characteristic of Yahoo, although Yahoo, is that Yahoo really went on a significant decline 
in North America. It still is globally one of the most popular web services and, and, and webmail systems. And so just because it's no longer uh, kind of the, the golden child in North America doesn't mean it's necessarily that case. Uh, that's the case uh, across the board. Right. But, uh, but yeah, even old information, it's, if, you wouldn't, uh, if you wouldn't just kind of take all those emails, print them out, and leave them on a park bench, you certainly shouldn't be leaving them kind of traipsing around. And, and also, when you think about if you open a Yahoo account 10 years ago, what was your level of kind of password diligence? Uh, your password simply might have been your dog's name. And, and in fact, you, you might have been able to set up an account with like a five-character password, uh, which is absolutely not the case today. So you might have a, a legacy account with a super weak password, and it's very easy for somebody to somebody to guess. So at the very least, log in and uh, and change that password into something that's uh, that's not going to be easily guessed, and also make sure that it's not a password that you've repeated anyplace else. And David, some of the things, one of the questions that people are asking themselves perhaps now, given the parameters of this case, as we understand it, Russians and the U.S. Uh, and the in the United States as part of the Russian uh, Secret Service, parceling out a number of accounts for Karim Baratov to break down. That's the story. That's the allegation. So we, we hear this kind of information and we think, well, how could anything that we have possibly be of any interest to a Russian Secret Service or somebody who's paid to, uh, to uh, hack a specific number of accounts. We just can't afford to have that attitude, can we? We should always just assume someone may be looking at our personal information right now. Well, absolutely. And, and, and so just look in the spam folder on your, on your email system, and you'll see probably going back in the last month at least 30 instances of somebody trying to send you a scam phishing email or, or otherwise. And there's, they're not doing that out of the hopes that you're a Russian cabinet minister or that you're some sort of political figure. They're doing that because they're interested in getting access to your accounts, to your bank accounts and, and otherwise. So, so while you and I, uh, well, I just, <laughs> you never know about the two of us, but while most of the listeners probably aren't of interest to some sort of government actor who's engaged in kind of cyber espionage, every one of us is of interest to kind of petty online thieves, for want of a want of a better term. And in fact, that's probably the, their greatest risk that, uh, that most people have, is that sort of identity theft and, and fraud. Uh, I think in the political intrigue, they're looking for information, for, they're looking for intelligence, but they're also looking for blackmail material. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, uh, while you never know, you, you might have somebody who's a a bureaucrat. Certainly, I, I grew up in a in a foreign service family, and part of the time, we lived in in Romania just after the revolution, and it was pretty clear that that there were attempts being made, kind of all around, in order to just compromise people. And and there's the the the, the Russian word for that that I actually hadn't heard for some time, that has come back into more common usage in connection with the uh, uh, with the allegations about Donald Trump and and his uh, and his affiliates and their and their involvement with the, with the Russians. So, you know, you might be a, a public servant. You wouldn't think, why would anybody be right. of interest to me? But if they can get into your email box and, and find something embarrassing, that can, in fact, be, be used to compromise. Well, we've, we've learned a lot, and we have to be reminded periodically of what our own responsibility to ourselves is. This case is fascinating. We'll hear a lot more. And we'll talk to you again, David, on this. Thanks for the time today. Oh, it's always my pleasure. You take care, Roy. Bye-bye. David Fraser, McKinnis Cooper in uh, Halifax, and the founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog.